0: Hello everyone and welcome to our latest podcast. Today we're going to be looking at the prospect of blackouts, which is something we've touched on previously, but with further talk in the news of energy shortages over the winter, potentially leading to planned energy outages. Indeed, we've seen the first stage with incentives to customers to reduce energy use at certain times. We wanted to share some practical advice with you. Whilst considered a last resort to the current energy crisis, both government and those responsible for the supply of electricity have been reviewing plans for rolling blackouts. The practical impact on employers will vary widely depending on their sector and activities, as well as the frequency, duration, and notice of any rolling outages. Today, I'm joined by Matt Kyle from our health and safety team to discuss the likely issues and what practical steps employers could have in place now and in preparation for possible blackouts. Hello, Matt. Hello. Welcome. So the first question is, if there are to be blackouts, when will we be told that power will be cut? Well, I mean,
1: as you've mentioned, I think it's worth noting that the decision to cut power would not be the first step. It's likely that electricity distributors will be instructed to reduce voltage to manage demand, possibly without affecting domestic power supplies, you know, and and most of the commercial power supplies. However, if the situation does become more severe um, then power cuts will be scheduled. So I think there's likely to be some lead up. It's not going to be a decision to implement rolling blackouts overnight. Um, But if we take um, a situation that does escalate, then plan is for indicative rotor plans to be published by um, the government department, business, energy and industrial strategy. They will show the scheduled areas, scheduled areas uh, that will have the outages. um, And that will be done by geographical area. We anticipate that the electricity distribution network operators will also then notify its customers. Uh, Whilst indicative rotors showing where and when cuts are scheduled may be available with a few days notice, it seems likely that actual confirmation of the specific timed outage and area may not be made until the actual day which makes it quite important for employers um, to really consider this, as they may not want to wait for confirmation, but have some plans based on the sort of indicative uh, schedule that, that, as I say, may come out a few days before the actual power is cut.
0: Yeah, thanks, Matt. I mean, that's interesting. How long do you think uh, the power outages are likely, likely to, to last? And be, for, how, for how long? How do you think?
1: Well, the current proposal is that these would take place um, within a seven-day sort of scheduled period, with blackouts lasting for no more than three hours. As I've said, it will be by area, so it will be by postcode areas during this seven-day period, rather than a sort of nationwide outage. So it's it's you know one area at a time, and it's expected that to start with uh, the blackouts will be between the hours of um, sixteen hundred four pm and oh seven hundred the next day. So hopefully, trying to minimise the impact on a typical should we say typical working day
0: yeah those those will be hours of, of darkness when they in, in the early evening now are there going to be any exemptions
1: there are what the government refers to as protected sites uh, these include as you'd expect hospitals um some uh, key digital and telecommunications services so things where there's a national need. Na- national need this would also include essential food manufacturers um, processors or those that store food however Certain conditions must be met for the government to authorise this status, so although applications can be made. You know, I think we can expect only a few exemptions.
0: Okay, and how do you think um, employers should communicate with people about the prospect of blackouts?
1: I think this is—I mean, this is one of the, the key things, really, how you communicate with your employees, how you keep them on side, how you ensure that everybody understands what they have to do, you know, and remains safe um you know and also is, is able to work as i've said it's likely that employers may have an indication several days before that their area in which they operate is scheduled for a blackout so employers will need to consider communications with employees and customers and anticipation of blackouts and then also when timings are confirmed so it might be a two-stage process the latter may need to be performed quite quickly so again might be thinking about things like mass text messages or emails will be made easier if there has at first been some guidance provided. Employees will require guidance on what is expected in terms of sorry, employees will require guidance on what is expected in terms of their work and how this can be performed safely.
0: Okay, so so moving on to that, what what are the key challenges likely to be for employers?
1: Well, it'll obviously vary on the nature of your business, but some of the typical key challenges will include uh, the resilience of IT servers and systems keeping production lines and things like refrigeration systems running. Um, in the retail sector, how do you operate? You know, retail and hospitality, are you able to continue operating? Um, so there'll, there'll be some of the sort of um, functional things to be considered, but then there's a whole aspect of um, deciding how you may mo- still mobilise your workforce to be able to work. So the consideration of hybrid working um, and also the fact that you may have some employees who perhaps live in a blackout area but the workplace may be um you know still still online in terms of power so it's 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 trying to just scope that and consider how that will work in practice
0: yeah thanks matt and we'll come on to that sort of hybrid working in a few moments but with your health and safety hat firmly on should people come in to work during a blackout well
1: fundamentally um Requiring employees to come to the workplace will depend on whether it can remain safe and comfortable um, if the workplace is without power. Clearly a key issue during cold winter months, which is the, the period that we're talking about when these blackouts may may happen, so in the next sort of two to three months perhaps, um, is whether you're able to keep the workplace at a reasonable temperature. Um, there's often a lot said about you know, what's the the minimum and maximum there's no prescribed limit in terms of of temperature but you know the health and safety at work act and the hse's approved code of practice does talk about a temperature that's reasonable and gives guidance that it should be at least 16 degrees um and if work involves rigorous physical effort the temperature perhaps um you know can go down to 13 degrees but, but they're the real minimums how comfortable would a workforce be um, working at 16 or 13 degrees so it's a real decision for their employer um, and as I said their guidelines um, it will be impractical to maintain those temperatures um, if for example rooms were open to the outside or where food or other products have to be kept cold so you have to practically think about um, in the comfort of your employees and I think temperature is a big one but there are other things as well um, other building systems such as ventilation lifts Fire alarms and lighting, which could be affected. So, continued working in the workplace will depend on whether um, alternative arrangements can be made to make the workplace safe. Um, and if not, um, the decision has to be made that that uh, you know people have to work from home, or, or perhaps um, work can't be done during that period of blackout.
0: Okay. Well, are you able to suggest other things that employers might consider here?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing an employer will want to consider in view of um, knowledge of when uh, blackouts are likely to be occurring and, and following that confirmation is whether working hours or opening hours can be adjusted and um, clearly easier for some than others um, uh, you know, Some some hours will be absolutely fixed depending on the nature of the business whereas others there will be a little bit more flexibility it's really as was the case during the pandemic some employees may be able to work um, certain uh, different hours and work from home, um, but in this case, as I've suggested, the, the blackout blackout picture is not going to be uniform. So people could be living in different areas; some may be affected, some unaffected. Um, so it's likely to be a mixed picture. So I don't think you can make absolute assumptions that you know everybody will be able to work from home. Um, so I think probably one of the most important things ahead of time. Um, is to is to really think about how you'll be able to operate in practice, um, whether people would be able to work from home if they're not able to attend the office, thinking or the workplace, thinking back to the workplace and practically, um, depending on the nature of your business, you may think, well, ahead of time, do we invest in things like standby generators to maintain the power supply for critical equipment or facilities? Um, Another practical um, step really is just to ensure that where well, you've got electrical devices required for work they're all fully charged advise employees how to use their mobile phones, a wi-fi hotspot print out any vital documents that need to be used if there's going to be no access um, perhaps to the internet or um, in the office so i think it's looking around and thinking well what's essential here do we need to bring in extra kit to keep that going or or can we get through that period? Um, you know, by people perhaps logging on at a different location um, or, or uh, having the, the documentation that are required, you know, old school in hard copy.
0: Okay. I mean, that's all about working in a place of work. What about supporting those working from home? What can employers do there?
1: Well, it, it will be quite challenging. Um, you know, it's I think it's difficult for an employer um, where somebody is at home uh, with a blackout um to expect them to work uh, unless they have got you know the the additional facilities to do so. so that would be power packs battery lighting could be provided but again if you've got a large workforce it's perhaps not going to be practical to issue everybody with that sort of kit um so i, I think it, it's got to be a real conversation with those who are working from home and see what their circumstances are um because as i said if, if if you're in a blackout situation then then being able to work comfortably and um, is going to be a real challenge so i think employees just have to have to respect that Um, i mean that's sort of practical aspect i mean turning to you um, as part of the employment team Julian i I don't know can can home workers be required to uh, to attend the office so if they've got a blackout at home um but the office is still online um could they be asked even if they've perhaps got you know regular working from home um, a regularly working from home contract or a hybrid contract, can, can they in this situation be required to come into the workplace um, to undertake their work?
0: Yeah, thanks, Matt. I, I actually think this question of where is an employee required to work is a really key one, and, and employers really should go back and look at their employment contracts to check this point, because there's been a lot of change in how people work. So an employee who is purely engaged on a home working basis under the terms of their employment contract cannot on the face of it be required to perform their work in an office location. However, many employment contracts will provide flexibility, enabling an employer to require an employee to perform their duties from another reasonable location. Whether or not the office is a reasonable lo- option will obviously depend on the individual's personal circumstances and is likely to be dictated by factors such as travel to the office and childcare and other commitments. And also, I guess, in this case, what is the state of the office? Is the office properly powered and and a suitable place for them to work, but any refusal by an employee to attend the office in a blackout where work cannot be performed at home will need to be treated sensitively to mitigate the risk of any breach of contract and perhaps discrimination claims from employees who feel they're being forced in when normally they're working from home for good reasons. Since the COVID pandemic, many employers have now adopted hybrid working arrangements which will usually provide more flexibility for employers in determining the most appropriate working location and ensuring that the necessary arrangements are in place, although care will still need to be taken to ensure that this is in accordance with the employee's employment contract and the hybrid working policy. Whether an employee is performing their duties from the home, an employer will need to ensure the employee has the appropriate equipment and rules are in place, including ensuring the importance of confidentiality, And data protection requirements. But I think where there is a hybrid contract and the office is available for work, but the employee's home may not be, I think it is reasonable to discuss with employees that they should come into work in those circumstances with the caveats we've mentioned around being aware of discrimination issues.
1: Okay. And I suppose on the flip side, if if it's the workplace does have to shut, um, and perhaps then the nature of the business means that employees aren't able to carry on their work from home, does the employer still have to pay its employees or alternatively can they enforce them to take holiday for that day where um, there's an outage and and work can't be done?
0: Well the short answer is, is yes employers do have to pay their employees if the employee is available for work but they're unable to do so due to forces outside their control they should continue to be paid. Where employers have provisions in their employment contracts It might be that this enables the business to shut down for a short period of time or reduce working hours with no obligation to pay salaries in full. In this situation, a statutory payment would apply. However, these types of provisions aren't standard, although we did see them coming in in COVID where employers wanted to build in provisions to enable employees to be laid off for short periods of time due to the COVID pandemic. But many employees won't have a contractual right to do that, although obviously you should check your contracts. Where this is the case, any reduction in salary will need to be expressly agreed with each employee and I'm rather hoping that the use of layoff and short time working will rarely have to be considered if the the blackouts are for short periods of time. It's maybe just something the employee. Is going to have to take on the chin, And, and as we know, with many employees struggling to meet their living costs, and individual well-being being being a rising concern. Many employers may decide it just isn't worth taking any steps to penalise employees in this way until the power cuts become very prolonged. And hopefully that won't be the case, Matt. So just moving on from there, what about other office systems and indeed checks for when the power comes back on?
1: Well, as you said, building systems, modern buildings, modern office blocks, that rely on power for things such as fire alarms, they'll have and they should have independent batteries um, but after a cut these could be drained it could be the same with emergency lighting systems I think it's just being aware that you know once you go back in um, things might have slightly changed so alarms may have been disabled as they sound when the power goes off Um so checks must be made to ensure that everything's back online when the power is on and people return similarly if anything is disabled um machinery equipment make sure you have a checklist or monitoring system in place to ensure that you know all of these are back on when it's restored it's easy just to go straight back into working and um, perhaps not realising that some of the safety precautions you know aren't actually back online and uh, and operating effectively. Um, I mean I think overall the priority has to be the health and safety of the employees and others who may be affected by your business and even in blackouts an employer must ensure that it's providing a safe working environment and that where safety measures are compromised due to loss of electrical power That suitable alternative controls are in place, um, which ultimately may mean that a particular process um, or indeed all work um, has to be suspended. In addition, I think risks to those working from home must also be managed as part of contingency planning for potential power outages. I think clearly hope is that blackouts won't be necessary, but it is important to assess now um, what and who would be affected and to think about what measures would be taken And as I said at the start, really critically, how you will communicate with your workforce. I think that will be key in in this running smoothly, um, you know, in the circumstances of a blackout.
0: Thanks, Matt, I agree. I think communication is key. I'd just like to say thank you all for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you have any concerns about the blackouts or any questions, please do get in contact either with Matt or myself or your usual contact at Osborne Clark.